Righteousness, peace, and the Holy Spirit. Think about that. And, uh, you know, it's in Romans 14. At the end of Romans 14, talk about judging and being a stumbling block for your brothers and sisters. But read that part. And uh, let's go to our Heavenly Father. Most Holy Father, we thank you so much for loving us and sending Jesus to die so that we can live, Father. Sending Jesus to be 
to be resurrected, Father, so that we can walk in newness of life, so that we can change, that we can understand that we, we don't need to live in sin, we can say no to sin, and we can walk righteously before you. Father, that, that scripture said a lot to me, but one thing, it did say that uh, we're in Christ, we are accepted by God, and we are approved by man if we live that way. Father, we ask you to bless our worship service this morning. I pray that the message that's going to be delivered, that we take it in, we apply it to our life, and we grow from it, Father. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for, for, for not leaving us out there hanging. Thank you for, for bringing us in out of the rain. We pray this prayer in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our congregational scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 28, verses 6 through 7. Shall we read together? <clears throat> Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I will praise him. Yield not to temptation, for in his head, he shall help you, some other to win, fight manfully on
Father, we want to lift up Gage Rizella with knee surgery, Alfred Arthur, who's suffering from some neurological problems, Jose Marino, who's got uterine cancer. We want to pray for Lloyd Dickinson with AFib that's not under control yet, and many others, Father. We want to lift up Amy Robinson, Leah Robinson, Sherry Patterson, Ebby Maskill, Terry Robinson, Dennis Reichert, William Sands, Joe Vanover, Bobby Sekiro, Tom Eckenmeyer, Tom Massey, Heidi Dietrich, Madison, Pauline, and Eugene. Father, we just want to be with the caregivers and the families that are supporting these people. As, as they are obviously suffering, a load gets placed on the individuals around them. But we ask for your guiding hand so that these folks may be restored to a measure of health so that they can come back and worship with you. Father, for those of us that are healthy, we want to be grateful for the health that we have and not take advantage of it. And we just thank you for your grace and care. Father, we ask that you be with the military men and women that are serving overseas. There are many conflicts raging around the world right now. We ask that you help bring those conflicts to an end as soon as possible so that the loss of life on all sides can come to an end. May peace be restored, Father. Father, we ask that you be with us in this community because peace starts with us. We need to demonstrate that loving attitude for others so that they can see that love is contagious as well. Father, we ask that you be with the leadership of this church, help them in this area, that we may do the right things, that we can be the Christian force that you need us to be. And all these things we ask, Jesus' name, amen. As we prepare our minds for observance of the Lord's Supper, we'll num sing number 364, Come Share the Lord. We
Pray with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for once again an opportunity to gather here in your presence. Father, as we take this symbol of your son's broken body, we remember that it represents the perfect plan that you had for us. Thank you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and suffer on behalf of all your children. It's in his name we pray. Amen. continue with the fruit of the vine. Dear Heavenly Father, as we take this fruit of the vine that represents the spilled blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, we remember the power in that blood. Only the blood of Christ can lead us to eternal life with you. Once again, thank you for the perfect plan. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on our behalf. In his name we pray. Amen. We've also set aside this time for an opportunity for contributions. If you have a contribution you'd like to make, we have the boxes hanging on the back wall there. You can just drop your contributions in there. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, at this time we pray for the contributions. We pray for those who are responsible to manage those contributions. We pray that these funds are exercised to the greatest extent so that they may extend your word. Father, we know that there are many among our community who don't know the good news about your son. And we pray that any contribution that we make here today is used to expand your kingdom, to spread your word, and to bring more of your children to your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.
today I'll be reading Romans 8 verses 13 to 14. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Children now second grade and younger may be dismissed for class. If it's convenient, shall we stand before our our song before the lesson? Come we that love the Lord and let our joy be known. Join in the song with speed of Lord. Join in the song with speed of Lord. And thus around the throne So we're continuing our series on Guided by the Spirit. If you remember last week, we had a difficult, um, a difficult part of the scriptures where we saw Saul being tormented, tormented by a spirit. He was being tormented by a spirit that was sent to him from the Lord. And we remember that the reason why he was being tormented was because he was not living the right life. And, I, and we talked about how at times when you're not living the right life, that God will certainly make you unsettled. In fact, I would call it spiritual suffering. There are times we go through where we know we need to change and we're not making those changes in our life. And we go through this spiritual suffering. That's what I see when I read that um, that passage with Saul. So just to catch us up, because today as well, is going to be a little bit difficult. I promise you that today we are going to look at something that um, you probably not heard very many preachers preach on. And in fact, when I looked at it, I won't lie, I studied like three times as hard as I normally do for this one because I really wrestled with it myself. But before we get to that, I wanted to read to you the last words of David. This is in 2 Samuel 23. I think it really sets the stage for where we're going to be at in the scripture today. And I, and I want you to hear every little word that comes out of this speech by um, the, greatest, the greatest king of Israel, in my opinion. Um, but also one of the greatest men of God in the Bible who is who is called out in the scriptures as being a man after God's own heart. In other words, his life was not perfect, but he was constantly pursuing the heart of God. Um, 2 Samuel 23 says this, Now these are the last words of David, the oracle of David, the son of Jesse, 
The oracle of the man who was raised on high. I love that. He's saying, God put me there. I didn't do it myself. The anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. So he liked his own music. That's clear. Verse 2, the spirit of the Lord speaks by me. So don't forget we're talking about the spirit. And he's saying, these are the very words of God that I am speaking. His words are on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken Wednesday night. The rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, when one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. So when you have a just ruler that is in fear of God, then life is going to be better, not just for him. And God is not just going to shine on him, but God is going to shine on all of us as a nation. Remember that. Pray for that. We are in an election year. Pray that our leaders are looking to God, that are living in fear of God, fear being reverence, respect for the word of God. Verse five, for does not my house stand with God? And when you look at that part, that part should stand out to a little bit of us, right? I mean, David's house was not exactly perfect. In fact, David's household's probably not really what you want for your family. There was a lot of rough stuff that happened in David's house. But David's saying, my, even though my sin was public, Even though the terrible things that happened in my household between my own family members was public. My house, this heart, it never left God. And he says, for he has made with me an everlasting covenant. And we know what that covenant was. Jesus was going to come from the bloodline of David. Jesus was going to come from the tribe of Judah. Right now, Israel is united. When they divide, they divide into Israel and Judah. The kings of Judah are all in Jesus' bloodline. It says, my heart never departed, even though my life was a mess at times. For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For he will not cause to prosper all my help and my desire. But worthless men, pay attention to this part, are like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be taken away, they cannot be taken with the hand. If you grab a plant that's covered in thorns by the hand, do you know it? Do you regret it? Typically you regret it. These are men that are not regretting it. These are men who are enjoying grabbing the thorns. Don't miss this. But when the man who touches them but the man who touches them, in other words, the man who takes hold of it, even though it's something that stings, even though it's something that he should regret, arms himself with iron and the shaft of spear, and they are utterly consumed with fire. So you will see that there is a recklessness that comes with this attitude. There's a carelessness, not just for your own life, but for the lives of others. There is a void that you can see in this of really righteousness and godliness. All right. That was a long introduction, but it's okay. First Kings 22 is where we're at. All right. In first Kings 22, you have something very interesting that happens. First, let me give you the background. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. 
In this chapter, you're going to see king of Israel said a lot of times, but he's not named. And I believe that there's reasons for that. I believe that it's to show disdain for the king of Israel. Who's the king of Israel in 1 Kings 22? It's Ahab. What do we know about Ahab? Well, he was probably one of the greatest kings of all of Israel, right? Probably one of the most righteous men to ever live in the Bible, right? No, Ahab was the one that Elijah said, he's killed all the prophets. I'm the only one left. He's killed all the prophets. In fact, at one point, Elijah goes to send his servant to Ahab, and, Ahab, and his servant says, hold on. Ahab's, once I tell him you're here, he's going to go and kill, he's going to want to kill you. And so the Holy Spirit, he's going to just take you away somewhere he can't find you. And then he's going to turn around and kill me because he can't find you. That's Ahab. His wife is Jezebel. They are doing all kinds of atrocities in Israel. All kinds. They're not worshiping, understand this, they're not worshiping Yahweh. And it's important to know that before we get deep into this scripture or else you are going to get misled by what you're reading. Okay? All right, here we go. So you've got the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, and you've got the king of Israel, Ahab, and they're having a meeting. They're hanging out together. And in Ahab, he's looking at, he's looking at Ramoth Gilead. And he's saying, you know, Syria owns that part of our land. It should be ours. That's part of the possession that God has given us. It should be ours. And you know, the only reason why they still own that land, the only reason why they still possess that land is because we're just sitting by letting them have it. And so he looks at the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, and he says, hey, if I go to war with them, will you go with me? And Jehoshaphat says, my people are your people. We're the same. My horses are your horses. My army is your army. Then he says to him, but, but, Jehoshaphat being the king of Judah from the bloodline of David, which honestly, Judah's kings weren't much better than Israel's. He says, but first, let's inquire from the word of the Lord. Let's, let's get the prophets together. So Ahab, he rounds up 400 prophets. Now, let me tell you something. These are prophets that proclaim to be godly. But at this point in time, there are very few prophets left in all of Israel, in all of Judah, that are actually godly. I want to point that out. It's very important. Okay, so he brings 400 of them in and they all begin to prophesy and they're asking, shall we go up to Ramoth Gilead? And all the prophets, all 400 of them are saying, if you go up, you will be triumphant. If you just go, God's hand will be with you. Everything's going to work out fine. Okay, now something about this moment kind of triggers something in Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. He's like, okay, I don't know if he... Um, is looking for a specific prophet that he does not see. I don't know if it's something in their ritual or whatever they're doing is um, turning him off, but clearly he wants a second opinion. He goes, wait, is this every prophet? Is this really everyone? And Ahab's like, ah, I knew you were gonna ask that, right? <laughs> I knew. It's like, no, there's one more. You know why I didn't invite him? Because he doesn't say anything nice about me ever. Oh, Ahab, maybe it's time to start reading the tea leaves. Maybe it's time to wake up and smell the coffee, Ahab. 
The one guy that every time he says something comes true is the one guy that never speaks good about you and yet you're going to avoid listening to him because he never speaks good about you even though what he says comes true. Hello? Josephus like, well, he might not um he might not be what you like to hear, but I want to hear from him. So, he sends for Micaiah. Now, while he's sending for Micaiah, you got to understand, there's still, there's still those two kings, they're still sitting on their thrones in this room and all the prophets are prophesying and all of a sudden, the, the, at least what the, the biblical scholars believe is their leader, right? The leader of these prophets, his name is Zedekiah, not to be mistaken for any other Zedekiah, this specific Zedekiah, son of Chinana. Almost sounds like na, 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 na. Right? Zedekiah, son of Chinana. This is the only time you will ever see him in the Bible. This is his only moment. Okay? And he's in front of all the 400 prophets who are prophesying, just go down there and you'll be victorious. And all of a sudden he comes out with these iron horns. Now, I want to ask you a serious question. What about iron horns makes you think Jehovah God, Yahweh God? What about iron horns? What imagery can you think of off the top of your head that would make you put horns associated with the God of heaven? I, probably, Ray. Probably. I can think of lots of things that have horns. I can think of cows like Baal. I can think of goats. But nothing really that gives me the imagery of the God of heaven. So I want you to see that. He's taking these iron horns and he's running around acting like he's a bull or a male goat and he says just like these horns everywhere you go you're just going to push them back and the Syrians are going to be pushed back, pushed back, pushed back until you get all the land of Ramoth Gilead. And of course as soon as he's done with his little spiel the prophets begin to prophesy again 400 at a time you're going to be victorious you're going to be victorious now imagine the room Don't come out of the room And at that point the messenger gets to Micaiah Micaiah actually comes and he's getting ready to come in And the the messenger has told him, listen, I just want to warn you ahead of time. Everybody has already prophesied victory. And Micaiah says to him, I will say whatever the Lord tells me to say. So Micaiah walks in, pay attention. This is the moment. So far you're like, Matt, this is, scripture is not even scary. I don't know why you're. Pay attention. What did Micaiah, the prophet of God, say he would do? Only what God told him to say. Right? Okay. So, Micaiah comes in. Ahab says, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead? Will God give me the victory? And Micaiah says, go up and triumph. 
The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Now hold on. Imagine being Ahab. Don't leave the room. This guy always prophesies negatively towards me. This guy's always prophesying my doom and gloom. And all of a sudden he's telling me what everybody else is telling me. Could you imagine he might have been a little surprised in this moment? Wait, what? Well, that's exactly what he is. He is surprised. In fact, he looks at Micaiah and he says, how many times do I got to make you swear that you're telling me the truth? How many times? You're serious? Me, positive. You sure? And Micaiah says, that's not what I saw. That's not what I saw. He says, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. Man, that sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. You see, that sounds like Jesus, but Ahab knew exactly what that meant. He was the shepherd of Israel. He was the king. He was the leader of Israel. And if he went up to Ramoth Gilead, Israel was going to be without a king. And he says, see, I told you, I told you, this guy, he never, he never prophesies in my favor. He never prophesies in my favor. Always evil. That's all I ever get from this guy. See, I told you, this is why I didn't invite him to the party. Now, you remember that guy? Oh, let me, let me, get, let me not get ahead. Let me, let me read this part. Then he says this. Micaiah says this. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. So here you are. You are in the throne room of God. Don't miss this. Get in this room now. You're in the throne room of God. You're standing before. There are spiritual entities that are around God in this moment. In fact, it says all the hosts of heaven. We're standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab? That he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead. Who will talk Ahab into going to war with Syria and Ramoth Gilead so he can die? In that battle. That's what God just said. Who will entice him to do it? And one said one thing and another said another. So you can see there's a conversation that's happening in the throne room of God. In the heavenly realm. And they're discussing different ways. Maybe that this could take place. And then it says this. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord. Saying, I will entice him. I will entice him. Anybody getting uncomfortable yet? Boy, by the time I got here, I was uncomfortable. I'm like, wait, hold on, what? The Lord said to him, by what means? Oh, it gets better. And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. 
And he said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all of these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. Even though your prophets are telling you're going to triumph, the Lord has declared disaster for you. Now, one, I want you to see something very important. Whose prophets are they? Are they God's prophets or are they Ahab's prophets? Whose prophets are they? That's right. That's what Micaiah just called out. These are not God's prophets. These are your prophets. If they were God's prophets, you'd already killed them or maybe thrown them in jail like you're about to do to me. I, I'm getting a little ahead. That's the first thing I want you to see. The second thing I want you to see is this. Who's the God that they're really calling on? See, you can be, you can be, you can struggle like David. And you can put on and make everybody think you got it all together on the outside. That's exactly the opposite of what David did. But you can't fake what's going on here to God. You understand? You can't fake what's going on here to God. You can fake the whole world out. But you can't fake what's going on here and you can't fake what's going on here to God. You can't. And so here's Ahab. He's got the one he knew was going to speak. The one that word comes true. And he's got all of his 400 other prophets and, and the leader of their prophet running around with his horns. And he has just been told that God has allowed him to be lied to by his prophets. What would that do for you? What would that do for you? If you're really a God-fearing, just like we read from David's words himself, if you're really a leader that is reverent to the Lord, that respects God's word, what would that do for you? You say, I don't know, I'm still stuck on the fact that God allowed a lie to be part of the plan. Did God not tell him the truth? Did God not tell him the truth? Right here in this moment, is God not telling me exactly the truth? Not only that, God's revealing the inner workings of what happens in the spiritual realm of the throne room of God. And Ahab, what's he do? Well, let's talk about that lead prophet, that Zechariah of, of Chinana. He walks up to Micaiah and he smacks him in the face. I was going to say Will Smith, Chris rocked him, but I don't know if that would be acceptable. <laughs> but that's what he did. And he says, hold on. How'd the Holy Spirit leave me to tell you something different? You see, he didn't pay attention to the word of the Lord either. His pride got in the way. You can see it all over him. You're not going to tell me I'm wrong in front of everybody. I got the whole room with me. So Ahab is upset and Ahab says, you know what? Seize him. Take him to prison. Feed him very meager rations. Barely give him any water. And when I'm done and I've won this war and I come back in peace, I'm going to deal with him. 
And Micaiah says, if you come back in peace, I'll admit that the word is not mine, that the word was mine and not the Lord's. I'll admit that I was wrong. I'm just telling you what the word, what God told me. Okay, so we get to where the rubber meets the road. How do you explain this? How do you make sense of this? How do you explain it in a way that applies to us? Are you the ruler of Israel? Are you the ruler of the United States? Are you even the governor or the, or the mayor, the mayor of Titusville, the governor of Florida? No, you're not none of that. But there is a simple message. And I will encourage you, come back tonight. We're in Daniel 10. Oh my word, does this, does these two lessons go together in a way only God could have done? I'm just being honest. But I went to Romans 1. And you can read Romans 1 for yourself at your own time. But I wanted to show you what happens when you ignore the word of God, when you ignore the presence of God in your life. And I want you to see in very New Testament terms, in your covenant terms, in your world, the way that God works. And I hope you can see the similarity between Ahab and potentially yourself. And it says this. This is verse 21, and I really cut this up, so you're going to have to forgive me. It says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity. Verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, did they have acknowledged God? God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. You see, we talk about this, and, I, and I've been really pushing this and pressing this on you for really almost two years, but the reality is we are human. The scriptures we've been reading for the scripture reading for the last two weeks have told you that if you're living in the spirit, that your flesh is going to be in contradiction to that at times. That your flesh is going to want to lead you in directions that the spirit is telling you, no, that's not what God wants for you. Will you hear it? Will you acknowledge it? Or will you flirt with it long enough? That one day God gives you over to it. Ahab lost his relationship with God or he'd have never went to that war. He'd have never killed the prophets. He wouldn't have been sacrificing babies on the altar of Baal. Go read it. He lost himself. Yet at the same time was somehow wanting you to believe that he was seeking the counsel of God. Like he was ever actually taking it in for real. This is what happens when you don't acknowledge him. A lot of that happens in here. You do realize that, right? Micaiah is not going to show up at your house and call you out physically. It's going to happen right here. It's going to happen right here. If you're willing to be guided by it. If you're willing to listen to it. If you're willing to acknowledge the will of God that he is trying to press upon you through his spirit. 
So I got three take-homes and I'm done. The first one is this, and it's simple. It is impossible for a person to be guided by the Holy Spirit who is full of self. If you are full of yourself, there is no room for God. If you are full of yourself, you are not looking for a God that is going to refine you. You're not looking for a God that is going to change you. In fact, you're a person that thinks there's nothing wrong with me. In fact, I might be the best person in the room. Y'all should learn from me. The scripture makes it very clear. Ain't one of us in this room like that. There's only been one that's ever lived like that. And that's Jesus Christ, not you. So if you are full of pride, you cannot be full of the Holy Spirit. It is impossible for God to guide you in that place in your life. Number two, to follow God and seek out his will for your life comes from a place of surrender. Surrender. That's why we were waving the white flag on the first slide this morning. It comes from a place of surrender. A true Christian comes to that place when they realize that even though even though they are fearfully and wonderfully made, they are also, well, the Proverbs say what? There's a way in a man's heart. I'll say it the nice way. That certainly does not lead them to God. It comes with surrender. It comes with understanding that me by myself, I'm not good enough. That the way I will interpret and um, look at this world without the scripture guiding me and, and, the, and the spirit prompting me, it's not good enough. There must be surrender. Let go of your pride. Surrender to God. And last but not least, I want to give you a warning. Some of you have been have been tossing and turning on this decision and waiting for that perfect moment to just, you know, one day you're just going to conquer all your sin and then it'll be the right time to make that decision to become one of God's children. Listen to me. That time is never coming. That time has not come for a single Christian in this room and that time is not going to come for you. That's right. If you're, if you're waiting for that time, the time is now. That's the time. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, why are you messing around? Why are you waiting for the perfect opportunity? Why are you waiting for that moment where you finally overcome all your sin? You can't, or Jesus wouldn't have died for them. You can't. That doesn't mean in the process, in the journey of life, that we don't look more and more like Christ as we grow in Him. Of course you have to. Of course God will get you to that place. But if you're waiting for that perfect moment outside of the spirit, outside of God, it's never coming. It's not coming. You just have to surrender. You have to let go of your pride. And you have to realize that every day is a new day and I'm going to keep walking regardless of my failures. And God's going to get me there. That's the promise. That's the promise of God. And I warn you, God is patiently waiting for all people to turn to him. That is full in the context of scripture. Well, I'm going to tell you the thing my daddy told me all the time. He was a fireman. If you play with fire for too long, eventually you will get burnt. Eventually you will get burnt. Ahab played with fire for too long. And he didn't hear 
the voice of God. Will you in your life? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in his blood, received the gift of the Holy Spirit, God living inside you, you becoming that sacred temple of God, you yourself, all of us together, becoming part of this body, trying to teach people about Jesus in this community, allowing God to change you from the inside out as you study his word and are surrounded by his people and learning from the examples that God gives you in your life. Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in his blood through baptism? For those of us who have, are we surrendering? Are we emptying ourselves? I can't, I can't stop thinking of where it talks about Jesus and Christ emptied himself taking on the form of a man. And why did he do that? So he could be the sacrifice for you and me. Where are you at today? If there's a need to come for the invitation, you come as together we stand and sing. Thank you, Matt. 
We appreciate each of you being here with us this morning as we worshiped. Please uh, plan to come back this evening as we worship again. Again, thank you for being here. Have some announcements before we close. Next Sunday evening, our worship will be at 5.30. Next Sunday evening, our worship service will begin at 5.30. That's different. So please make a note of that. After the service, we're going to be having a Super Bowl watch party uh, fellowship. So uh, please bring snacks, desserts, and drinks and plan to be a part of that. Again, the worship service starts at 5.30 next week. There'll be a baby shower for Megan Vivian, Mark and Debbie Caldwell's daughter, next Saturday, February 10th at 12 noon. The shower will be at the home of Mark and Debbie and Vivian and her husband, or, or excuse me, Megan and her husband are registered at babylist.com. The food pantry goals for the month of February are 200 cans of tuna, 200 boxes of tuna helper, and 400 cans of vegetables. If you can help with that, please do so. We have a very long list of sick people in our bulletin. I believe Jason mentioned nearly all of them, if not all. I have just a few additions to that list. Lex Pierce suffered a fall last evening and is, in, is pretty banged up. Please keep Lex in your prayers. Carol Castillo asked for prayers for her friend Erica Vickery, who is undergoing treatments for cancer. Rhonda Dickerson asked for prayers for her friend Keith, who is being treated for kidney cancer, which has already spread to his lymph nodes. Please honor those requests. I'm going to highlight a few of those uh, others on the sick list because they have some upcoming procedures or just had some. Jan Ward had surgery this past week to repair the broken ankle and some torn ligaments. Please keep her in your prayers. Bill Larner will be undergoing surgery for bladder cancer soon. Please pray for Bill. Gail has a, a upcoming nuclear scan on February 19th for the tumor on her parathyroid. Steve Sharp Sr. is still in Advent Hospital. At this time, doctors are not able to fix the AFib that he's suffering with because of the threat of strokes. Please pray that that uh, goes away and he's able to have the treatments. Also continue to pray for Mitzi Robinson as she begins a new cancer treatment. Pray for John Larson as he gets out of rehab so that he can, can resume his cancer treatments. And I have a card from Michael Brennan, Bertha's son, who we're glad is able to be here with us today. He says, I would just like to thank you all for your prayers. They really helped. I know we can do all things in Jesus' name. Thank you again, Michael Brennan. Thank you. Shall we stand for our closing song?
thank you for another day. Father, we want to thank you for food in our belly, clothes on our back, shelter. Father, we want to thank you for this beautiful family. Father, uh, we know that no matter what we do, we can never earn our way into heaven. It is all through your grace. And Father, we are just humble servants. Father, we want to pray for our elders, our deacons, Matt, Everyone who serves, the food pantry is amazing. The love from North Bavard is just, I, I've never experienced love anywhere else like that. And Father, we do all this in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> 